Hello and welcome to Forget the Numbers, the CMS student podcast. I'm Alan and joined again remotely with Connor. Hello everyone. So on today's show, we're going to review the examiner's report for the operational level integrated case study for February 2020 exam session. Before you say that this doesn't apply to you, our experience has always been that examiners generally talk about the same issues no matter what the level. In future weeks, we will be discussing the examiner reports for MCS and SCS as they become available, but there is always something to learn by listening. So if you pass this level, there are pointers for this review that could benefit your future case study exams. Just in case you're not familiar, examiner reports provide a review of performance of candidates in the examination and a detailed analysis of the standards of answering. So in short, what you did well and maybe not so well as an individual and as a cohort. So Connor, I think before we get into the detail of what the examiner said, maybe I know you're going to do a little bit of an introduction to Lottie Graphite and the, the key points that students should have been aware of going into their case study exam. Yeah, so as most of you will be familiar with, the 2020 OCS case study was Lottie Graphite, and they are a manufacturer of graphite and coloured pencils based in a country called Gauland, which is in Western Europe. So as a kind of broad recap, what they did was they manufactured just under 300 million pencils a year from one site. They sell them through their own distribution network, and they are a well-recognized brand um, associated with premium quality pencils. So the variance that, that this went in, uh, there's obviously three variants and each variant tests a different scenario, but they kind of rely on the, the same core areas. Um, so variant one was looking at expanding into a new market. Variant two was about setting up a new production facility. And variant three was around the launch and sale of a new S pencil. I think kind of the first thing we should know, and we said this before, is that um, it really, you could never have guessed them. You might have guessed that they were particular topics, but you'd never have guessed that they would come up on that particular day. I think the, the danger of, of question spotting, because if you picked the wrong day, they're so diverse in what they are testing that if you didn't have a familiarity with the whole course and a comp- like didn't have practice questions or do mock exams, um, you'd really lose out a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I I think, you know, the key thing we always talk about is you don't know what's going to come up. And it's really if you have a good foundation of knowledge, you're able to to tackle anything that that does come up for you. So it's not trying to predict these different scenarios. And as you saw there, there was three very different scenarios. But it's it's just having the strong foundation of knowledge that you can apply it to any any variant or any um, new scenario that comes up. And something else worth noting is the fact that the, the case studies definitely have information rele- relevant to, to this, clearly. Um, but also in each one of them, you got additional information that really um, provided the, the backdrop to, to your answers. So it really is a, kind of confirming the fact that, yes, the case study is useful. But by focusing on the case study um, and getting sucked in with, with what's in the case study early on means that you're not really open-minded enough with your content and your knowledge to really expect what might be thrown at you, like uh, setting up a new production facility. That actually provided a lot of information. And you probably ended up talking more about the information you got on the exam day for that variant than you would have from the actual case study, the, the pre-seen case study that you actually had for the three weeks beforehand. Yeah, and I think the the important thing to us remember is that, you know, regardless of what comes up in your variant, they're they're trying to assess the same core activities and there's the same 
weightings that you've seen from your your various operational um the other ot subjects so even if you it can feel like a very different scenario the same underlying knowledge is is what's key to um being successful in it and that's why we always say don't get overly caught up in the pre-scene it's it's how you apply your knowledge both to the pre-scene and to whatever scenario comes up that's going to help you score well so I think as myself and Connor were preparing for this podcast and going through the case study, and that's why we're saying that if you didn't do the operational level or you finished it and you're doing a different level next, this is still important. Um, for, for us, when we look at so many, a broad range of examiner reports, especially, well, in most subjects, but especially in case study subjects, um, this could be any examiner because I think what I was reading through it and, and I could think of three or four different examiners in different um kind of professional qualifications that you you thought if you change the Lottie Graphite name to something else, it could be that examiner speaking. And it's it's quite um, peculiar how students across a broad range of geographies, across different professional exams, do the same, make do the same things well and do make the same mistakes in case study exams. Yeah, and I think it's funny, students always ask for tips for what's the secret, but, you know, the the tips and secrets are often quite glaring in these um, examiner reports. There's very, there's kind of three key things often that if you can just focus on and do, you'll score successfully, but people continuously ignore them or they don't consciously think of them when they're writing answers and doing mock exams and eventually doing the real exam. Yeah. So uh, Connor mentioned three key three three key things there, and I think nearly in every examiner reports they narrow it down to three key things. And the funny thing about these three things is that the chances are for the next examiner report for operational case study, for the the SES case study uh, examiner report that gets released next week, or maybe even next year, my feeling is that that these three points will probably always be there because it's there, and and I guess. This is free marks from the examiner. This is the examiner saying, if you do this well, you'll do really well. So to achieve your level three in most traits, um, the requirements are to, de- to demonstrate a good technical understanding and apply it to the business. And, and I think no matter what level you're at in your SEMA journey, that that um, merging together of your, your technical understanding and then applying it and the, that application to the case study and to the business and the information you provided seems to be a real stumbling block. And I think the three areas that examiners felt the students would do better in are they notice gaps in the technical knowledge and understanding. And I think that comes from um, whatever subjects you did in your OT subjects before. And I think of the operational case study that might be more highlighted because students might have got some exemptions for, for and might have started at the case study level and mightn't have that background. Um, they also explained issues for too briefly um, and with a lack of clarity. And again, that's really back to the application and then fail to relate answers to Lottie, Lottie Graphite. And I nearly think um, all of those three things are saying the same thing, Connor, because they're kind of saying, well, you didn't study enough and then you didn't show us enough how it applies to the business. Yeah, I effectively they're all just related. And, you know, if you don't have the technical knowledge and understanding, your answer is going to be too brief. And if you don't have the technical knowledge and understanding, you're not going to know the, the key points you need to pick up to apply it to Lottie Graphite. And then 
again, if you're not applying it to Lottie Graphite, your answer is not going to be clear, is going to be too brief or too general. So it's all linked. Having the good technical knowledge and looking at the scenario helps you apply the key areas to that scenario. So you kind of need to look at, at these three things together. But if you have, you know, a mix of good technical knowledge and good application, you know, it'll take care of that clear answer that's hitting the key points. There's a there's so before you think we're concentrating all the negatives that you and it's not that the examiner concentrates on the negatives, but these reports are generally filled with areas that to they're not there to tell you what you did wrong in an exam you've already taken. They're really identifying what you can do better in future exams. So don't take them as negatives, take them as like a pathway to passing your next exam. But they do mention a few things that students did well in and beyond budgeting and costing and the, the use of expected value and capital expenditure under IAS 16, working capital ratios, and, and there's other things like KPIs. And, and I kind of, I've written a note for myself here, that's the bread and butter of our accountants. You kind of go, well, if you can't, if you can't figure out budgeting and costing and and KPIs, um, applying that, like you have a, you have a bigger gap than, than you think. Um, yeah. But there are yeah. areas of weaknesses in there as well. And although we look at the strengths, Connor, about the, uh, and we think that's the bread and butter. I kind of look at this list of weaknesses and think, well, that's the bread and butter too. How come they're, how come they haven't picked up that knowledge? Yeah, what I was going to say there is th they do highlight in the report that it, overall the performance was good, and you generally see that reflected in the the pass rates. But if you think, you know, what I would look at when you're looking at this is that all students are generally doing well at maybe those basic areas like the ratios, KPIs, budgeting. But if you want to make sure you're in the, the better half of students and making sure you get that pass, that's where you need to be strong in, in maybe the other areas that people struggle with. And as you said, these are still kind of bread and butter areas as well. But if, you know, if you make sure you've obviously you're good at the areas um, that everyone's doing well, but you separate yourself by being strong at these other areas too. I think that's what's going to make sure you're you're a really strong candidate going into these exams. Well, when I compare some of the good areas that we've gone through and some of the weaknesses, and they mentioned IRFRS 16 leasing and activity-based budgeting and time series analysis and overhead efficiencies, and you're kind of, well, that's, that's still the basics. It is like that, and maybe I, I'd be curious to see if we went through the case study in, in detail again, um, is it is a coincidence or is it that students felt that they the areas they did well in and um, they concentrated on because they thought that's where the case study was going and they tried to um, ignore areas that they didn't feel the case study touched on and the problem with that is the additional information you're provided in your exam on the day can introduce anything else that has never been mentioned in the case study and I think IFRS 16 is an example of that so I I think that there's a does an element of question spotting from the case study means that you think, oh, well, they can only ask these about these 10 topics. So I don't need to do IFRS 16 or I don't need to do activity-based budgeting. But all that means is the variant on the day, the first line could be Lottie Graphite has decided to implement activities-based budgeting and give you some detail. And, and that might never have been even hinted towards in the case study. So I think it really is a warning about question spotting for case studies as well. I think 100% I agree with that. And I think if you look at those topics people did well in, 
you know, you're always going to, from the information that's always given, you're always going to be able to see some potential KPIs, some potential budgeting or costing issues because they're quite broad areas. But as you said, the, the amount of times you read those, um, the task, and it starts off with that, that they're considering implementing activity-based budgeting, and there's a whole question on that, um, or leasing, as you said, or you're given new information for, for sales mix variances. So you really can't rely and ignore areas of the syllabus because there isn't any information in the pre-scene initially related to that because you don't know what might come up and in fact what we often find is they generally use the pre-scene i wouldn't say to throw students off but but they save they certainly save certain new things to bring out um, in the actual exam that you wouldn't have expected or couldn't have predicted but people still expect that not to happen which surprises us every every, every sitting and we've been running this for the last few sittings and we're still surprised by people not listening about the case study, but the pre-scene, but maybe they will one day. I think some of the conclusions that we have, that the examiner has, um, and again, uh, there's two main conclusions and you read them and you think they are really basic conclusions. And that, like, if you could solve these two, if you could, every mock exam, every question you practice between now and your exam, if you can keep these two in your head, one of them was they felt that the students who had strong technical understanding usually led to good application because they understood, let's say, I4S 16, because they understood leasing well, they knew what the examiner was getting at and therefore they could follow the logic and apply it. So it really is that the, that knowledge base is key. And then I think, and, and I guess it's the element of it's the first case study exam that people will have done on SEMA and a lot, of, obviously, if you're doing it. Um, and I think another one was the difference between description and explanation. And I think, as we know, Connor, students can fall into, into that trap of describing everything they know instead yeah. of explaining why it's important. And I think yeah. that's a huge difference. Well, I think the, the big thing is is kind of understanding what case studies are trying to do. And they're they are not um they're not knowledge tests and they're not looking for you to to just describe different um, areas of the syllabus. It's all about applying that knowledge, as we said. And when you can start to to figure that out and understand that the focus on every question isn't just the what, it's on you know, um, the why and the how and trying to link it all back to the, the scenario with every answer that you write linking it back to that, that's when you'll start to score really well. So one thing I really like what the SEMA examiners do is they give, um, and there's a section, and we'd strongly recommend, this is only us kind of giving you a summary of the key points. These are not all the important points. We strongly recommend that you go through it, that you read through the examiner report, that you read through there's, there's two pages on, on what and how students performed in each of the variants and what exactly they did well and didn't do well. So we'd strongly urge you to read the full examiner report. It'll take you 10, 15 minutes, and we're, we're big believers in, in the fact that that's free marks. But what they do do nicely at the end is they give tips for future candidates, and they split it into a number of areas. And the first one they look at is um, what, what you need to do in order to score at level two or above and obviously you're aiming for level three all of the time because that would guarantee you a, a really good mark and passing and moving and, and and also give you a great boost into the next one, next exam. But you are aiming, let's say, for level two and above. And some of these are what we, we've talked about already. So we're, we're going to 
what, what myself and Connor will do is we'll go through each of each one of these um, ourselves. So the first one is the technical knowledge. And again, we talked about this, um, having that technical knowledge. And again, the really good comment, it's not what you remember from your OT exams. So it's not about remembering. It's about revising that and being able to apply the knowledge. So it's it's not, they never expect you to talk about IFRS 16. They don't want you to give a summary of it. They don't give you the advantages and disadvantages. And, and we talked earlier about explaining and the difference between describing and explaining. Um, they don't want you that. You, they're, what they want is you to have an overall sense of the subject that you can apply it to the business. So I think we've, we've talked about that already, but that is number one on their list. Um, I think, Connor then continuing on, they talk about application next. Yeah, and I think again, this is one we've talked, but it's it's applying your technical knowledge and understanding within the case study context. And really the, the key to that is getting away from this idea that you can just reproduce answers you've learned of before or knowledge um from your OT exam and just write that out. Because as we said, just pure knowledge of a topic area will only score a few marks. It's all about applying it to the case study. And the key for people who are successful at case studies isn't, in fact, writing the really long answers with everything they know so that the examiner has to sift through it to find the key points. It's picking up, okay, in the context of this case study, what's the key bit of information they're looking for? What's the key bit of my knowledge that I can apply to this task so that I'm answering the, the question? And if you can take that approach and have a really clear value-added statements about that and using your knowledge in the context of that scenario, that's when you're going to do really well and start to score into those level three marks. Yeah. And then I think that, again, the last one, these are all a general team, and but they're all very simple pieces of, of, of knowledge to go into. And they use, um, they use an example of saying, um, that you write disapproves decision making or planning is enhanced. That that's kind of making a statement. That's like saying it's sunny outside, but that doesn't explain how or why it's sunny outside. And I think what you need to do is to explain more of the how and the why. You need to explain to somebody why the company is in that situation, what in the case study has shown you, what in the financial information has led you to that conclusion, what has why in the advice you're giving. What is the basis for your advice? And if you can't pick that out from the pre-scene and from the information you're given, then you're just making statements and unsupported statements will get as many marks as writing nothing, which is clearly zero. So just be very careful and always make sure the how and or the why is there. So like, how are they going to do something? How will they achieve something? Why should they do this in a certain way? And sometimes it might be different than what's on the examiner's solution. But if you can make a, a, a good argument about why you think a certain way, you'll still get the mark. So it's not about, you don't have to think about, the, in a case study, there's not always one right answer. Once you give a really well-supported answer, you will get the marks for that. So I think there's a couple of things, Connor, and, and they're kind of, they're both linked to each other. So maybe you'll, you'll talk about what they need to do. So there's two there's two pointers they give, which I'd say are pretty standard pointers for everybody to do about advice they should get you should do before you go into your exam. Yeah. So the, the first is one that I'm sure a lot of students do do, which is study the pre-seen material in depth. But what I would say on this is 
study it in the right way. Don't study it, as we said before, where you're trying to predict the questions and you're just deep diving on the information within that. Study it in such a way that you become familiar with the business, especially their kind of financial situation, and you understand you know, how the business is performing. You have a knowledge of the, the structure of the employees and governance areas, all of that. Um, so study it in such a way that whatever scenario comes up, you've a really good base and understanding of what the company is and what they're involved in um, and an awareness of the industry that you can draw on for whatever decisions that you have to, that they might have to make or whatever scenarios come up. So I think the key then following on from that is, you know, when you've studied that material is doing lots of practice questions, practice tasks on our site. We've a huge number of practice questions and mock exams. And what this does is, it allows you with the information you know to test that, to test your application to different scenarios as well as testing your knowledge. So the more that you can do that, and again, remember, you're not going to find a mock exam that's going to be exactly like your paper on the day. It's going to be different. There's going to be new information. But the more that you practice um, applying your knowledge to different scenarios and different tasks and using um, old P1 tasks and F1 tasks, and the, the more that you do this, the better prepared you're going to be for whatever comes up on the day, because it's helping your technical knowledge by practicing different tasks. But it's also preparing you at applying to different scenarios, which, as we mentioned, is, is so essential for the actual exam. I'm going to take the last one because it is my kind of I, I never understand that um, in professional exams that examiners still say this thing. And it's not just the same thing. It's right across the board. Um about on the exam day and when you go in and Connor mentioned practicing and I think a lot of people kind of think practicing is answering the question but a key part of practicing is also managing your time and doing your planning and kind of planning out your answer beforehand and it seems to be that still so there's still a I think the word is mentioned in the report somewhere it's a scattergun approach that there isn't a logical way that students are planning their answers. So like talk, think of a, a nice laid out report that you have to do a lot of the time. If somebody's reading that in work, they want to see what the report is about. They want to see what the main points are and they want to see a conclusion of what you're, you're suggesting that they should do. And if you don't have that nicely planned out with all the points laid out and always trying to make the most important points at the top, and they should be getting least less important as they go down. So using subheadings, it's it's amazing how people just write and having corrected a lot of handwritten exams, you would think that computer-based exams would give students the opportunity to lay out their exams better. But it still seems to be that using subheadings, using underlining, using bold shouldn't get any more complicated than that. That it's not that it's a it's not that it's a requirement of showing off your knowledge, but if you make it easier for the examiner, if you show everything as planned, the examiner will automatically think that this person knows what they're talking about. Look how well organized it is. Look how they've thought about this. They've planned it out. This person gets it. And, and automatically you will have the examiner on your side. And believe it or not, doing that bit of planning, and people think, oh, no, I don't have time for that. I just have to answer the question. But doing that bit of planning really does help you um, save time because it just gives you, you now have a template and now it's just about filling that in and, and following on from um, your planning and using um, subheadings, um, take care about your answer. And again, they do stay 
that it's not a test of English and you're not necessarily losing marks because of it. But if your spelling is constantly poor, if your grammar is constantly poor, um, it's really difficult for an examiner to read it. And if they're finding they have to read something over and over again, then they're missing the point and you could be missing out on marks. So making sure that that's well presented and the spelling is as good as you can make it and the grammar is as good as you can make it. And I think by doing the planning part, that will help you do do the rest of that. I think that's key. Uh, and I think Connor has used a phrase lots of times before. It's about getting the marker on your side, Connor, isn't it? It's about yeah, making absolutely. them. It's that about like if you're doing it's if you're doing a paper, Connor, it's making them that marker wants to go. I like Connor. Connor knows yeah. what he's doing. Well, I think you know th these are are people that mark them, and I think they very quickly are in their head thinking if this is a level three student or if this is a level one student, as we talked about the scale earlier. And if you start well with your layout and your structure and your professionalism and how you're answering it, they're immediately, you're falling into that category and that's how they're looking at your paper. Yeah. So I think, again, I would highly encourage you to do two things. First of all, read this yourselves. Um, it'll be really beneficial to you and you will get marks. Um, and if you're not already attending Paul's weekly webinars, um, the first one for SES took place yesterday. And again, they're all available. And I'd encourage you to join because um, having sat in Paul's webinars and listening to the things he's saying, he is not just concentrating on teaching you knowledge. You will hear him saying, lay out the answer, practice your questions. He is saying, he is reinforcing what the examiners are saying. And to be honest, it seems to be the students need that reinforcement every now and then because the same mistakes are still popping up. So hope this helped. And we're going to leave it there for this week and look out in the next couple of weeks and we will cover SCS and the MCS examiner reports. And all the best. Bye-bye.